I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then from there, I also want you to turn to Galatians. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4 some today. But I love this verse of Scripture. It's probably one of my favorites, and I could quote it to you in another, in another uh, translation. But I, I, today, I choose this one today just because it's worded a little bit differently. And it says, wherever the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. Wherever the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom freedom. Uh, Today, my intention is to point out three very important things to know about the freedom that we have in Christ. That's what my goal is. And I I believe that there are a lot of people who don't understand the freedom that we enjoy. I think there are a lot of people who are attempting to twist that freedom around to allow them to feel okay about areas of their lives that they should not. I think that there has been somehow, a, in some circles, a misconception about the freedom we have in Christ. That some people think that as soon as they give their heart to Christ and they are free, then now they are free to live however they want because their name's written down and they can just go ahead, do whatever they want to do, and life is hunky-dory and awesome and great, and it's all taken care of. But I want you to understand that that is a misconception, a twisted ideal of what true freedom in Christ is all about. A lady named Dorothy Sayer wrote years ago, she said, The divine scheme of things as Christianity understands it is at once extremely elastic and extremely rigid. It's elastic in that it includes a large measure of liberty for the creature, but it is rigid in that it includes the proviso that however created beings choose to behave, they must act responsibly or act act, accept the responsibility of their own actions and endure the consequences. Isn't that true? So the law that we live by in our land requires everybody to do right by each other. That law has been given us and was actually given based on laws that were given to Moses by God many, many years ago. Our our laws today, isn't it ironic that so many people spend so much time trying to separate church and state when the very laws that they are supposedly supporting and trying to enforce were created by the one that they're trying to deny exists. Those laws have been given to man because way early on, man couldn't get along. Started way back in the garden. A couple of brothers just couldn't get along. One of them ended up dead. And as time went by, people got to where they needed some type of parameters more and more. And so God handed those down in the form of what we think are the Ten Commandments, but are really more like thousands of commandments, that now governments of countries have taken and chosen those laws to establish civil laws of their own to keep people from doing things that they shouldn't do anyway. You shouldn't have to tell people, don't kill each other. Don't steal each other's stuff. Don't lie, don't cheat, all those things. But those are laws that are necessary because people who do not have Christ living in their heart have to live by the law. Believers, on the other hand, live by a higher law, which is called love. And we like the sound of that because we say, oh, great, because we are not bound by the law anymore. We live by grace and love 
So that means that we are much more free. But I would insist to you that living by love is more stringent than living by law. Law says and tries not to leave loopholes. But law says don't kill, don't cheat, don't steal. Love says love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor the way you love yourself, we won't have to tell you not to kill each other and steal each other's stuff. It would encompass all other laws, even though it sounds so simplistic. Love your neighbor as yourself. It encompasses everything. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, wow, that's a lot of love. I'm I'm telling you right now, I struggle with doing that. I, I, I love everybody and don't want anybody to go to hell, but there's a lot of people I don't like. The Bible didn't say you had to like everybody. It said you had to love them all, didn't it? Just because you love folks don't mean you want to hang around with all of them. There's some folks you don't really want to hang around with, but you love them. You don't want them to go to hell. They don't deserve to go to hell just because you don't like them. But this loving everyone as myself is difficult because I'm going to tell you right now. I may not look like much, but I love me. I love me well enough to make sure that I get taken care of. And I probably take care of myself better than I take care of others. Regardless of how much I strive to carry out the law of love, I probably would find at the end of the day that I had done more for me than I had for anyone else. Even meaning to do well for others. The law simply said, don't kill them. Didn't say you couldn't beat them. Right? The law said don't kill them. Because if you kill them, then, and they don't get to the, the city of, of what, what's the name of the city of refuge? Then the neighbors could come after and kill you. I mean, it's a terrible thing to live by law. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Love is a much better way, but it's a much more stringent way. It, it demands even more. Not less. The, the truth of the matter is that I am not free to live as I please. I am not free to use my life as a means of self-promotion. Yet I am free. My question is, how can a freedom that makes me even more accountable be true freedom? Paul used his letter to the Galatians to set all that straight. I want you to look there with me for a few minutes. Paul said that freedom in Christ makes us at least three things. You could probably deduce more transcultural truths from this passage than what I have, but I've simply broken it down into three things. Freedom in Christ makes us family. Galatians 4, verse 5. God sent him, Jesus, to pay for the freedom of those who were controlled by these laws so that we would be adopted as his children. Because you're God's children, God has sent the spirit of his son into us to call out Abba, Father. So you're no longer slaves, but you're God's children. Since you're God's children, God has also made you heirs. I simply just write the word, wow. After I read that. Isn't that amazing?
that I am going to be allowed to rule and reign with Christ and I'm not on any way, in any way, shape or level on the level of Christ. Don't deserve anything the way Christ does. I haven't deserved to sit by him, around him, near him, work with him, for him. I don't deserve any of that, but something happened because of freedom that made me family and automatically I became an heir with Christ. Part of the family. Wow. It's a great honor. God through Christ has adopted us into his family. Now we're his sons and his daughters. So the word says because of that we're no longer slaves to sin and self. But now we're heirs of the kingdom just like Jesus. But now wait a minute. Because... We could get all happy and wave hankies and run and dance and shout. But before we do, I want you to think about something. I learned a song when I was a little boy and I used to like to sing it because it was very catchy. It's not a, it's probably not a politically correct song, but it goes like this. I won't sing it. I'll just tell you the words. Knock him down again, Ma. Knock him down again. We don't want our neighbors talking about our kin. Says it all, doesn't it? You can see this whole thing unfurling on the front lawn of the neighbor's house. Every family has that black sheep. The one who the rest of us don't understand. Why do they do that stuff? We find ourselves singing, knock him down again, Ma, knock him down again. He's got it coming. He's making us look bad. Do something about him or her, whatever the case might be. We get a hold of this freedom in Christ. We say, oh, we're in a family. We're in the family. Our name is written down. Let's live like we want. But there's a responsibility that comes from living in the family. If you're going to be in the family, act like you're in the family. Because you are representing the Father's crest. You're wearing the kingdom of heaven's brand. If you want to identify with Christianity, then act like a Christian. Because you make the rest of us look bad. And we're singing, knock them down again, God, knock them down again. Because we don't want the sinners talking about our kin. Because it drives us nuts when we have these people out there that call themselves Christians. But the things they do, the way they act, the things they say, they bring such a darkness to our what we're striving for in our witness. Freedom in Christ makes you family, but now you need to act like it. In fact, it goes further than that. It says that freedom in Christ makes us royalty because he's royal. So we should act like royalty. And you say, I like that because that means I sit on a throne and everybody will bring stuff and they'll fan me and feed me grapes. That's what a lot of people think about Christianity. That's not what it's saying. If you want to be treated like royalty, you'll have to be treated like Christ. What is Christ? The servant of all mankind. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, not being fanned and fed grapes, mind you. But right now has the hardest job in the universe. He's making intercession for you and you need it. He's working. Have you ever prayed intercessory type prayer? Got any intercessors here? 
Is that an easy job? Is there anything harder than committing to be an intercessor? Yet this is the job Jesus has taken on. He sits at the right hand of God, which is the, 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 the right hand, the power hand of, of the Father. But he's working. He's interceding for you and I. The scripture says that the freedom in Christ has allowed us now to be joint heirs and family, royalty, a royal priesthood. So we should act like the family. We should act like Jesus. We should serve like Jesus instead of thinking we should be served. It's good whether you amen me or not. And I'll tell you why it's good, not because I came up with it. It's his work. Freedom in Christ makes us family. Remember that. Number two, freedom in Christ makes us accepted. Galatians 5, starting verse 1. Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom. Don't become slaves again. Verse 4, those of you who try to earn God's approval by obeying his laws have been cut off from Christ. You've fallen out of God's favor. What? But I'm trying to obey God's laws. But you can't. That's why. The fact that you can't do this in yourself is the very thing that's disqualifying you. So hang on a minute. Look at verse 5. However, in our spiritual nature, faith causes us to wait eagerly for the confidence that comes with God's approval. As far as our relationship to Christ Jesus is concerned, it doesn't matter whether we're circumcised or not. But what matters is a faith that expresses itself through love. Huh? A faith that expresses itself through love. Now here's what that means. You can't do anything to make yourself more saved. You cannot make yourself more forgiven or more acknowledged. The bottom line is this. You're either in or you're out. You're either in the family or you're not in the family. That's the way that it works. But if you're in the family, the scripture says, you need not, though you may not relate to this anymore, but it meant a big deal back in the day, you need not become circumcised in order to be in the family. And basically what they were saying was, you don't have to follow the old law to the letter or to the T anymore in order to be saved. You simply in faith have to believe upon Christ. If you try to follow the law to the T, you will fail miserably because you're unable to carry out the law, which is why grace was so necessary, which is why it's so awesome that we get to live under the law of love instead of the law of the other. Though it makes us perhaps more responsible, we'll talk about it is still easier than trying to carry the burden of the old law. So it says in a different translation here, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Just refuse it. Just say no. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you live for Christ more than probably 25 minutes there's going to be somebody come along up to you and say good job hon glad you're in the family now let me tell you what you need to do Mm -mm. am i right there's always somebody out there that's going to tell you how to be a better christian as if somehow if you were a better christian 
you could somehow ingratiate yourself to God even further. It's as if they think that God is sitting up there and he's watching you and he's saying, okay, let's see how many good things they do that impress me today so I can put check marks by their name. I'm going to tell you something right now. God is not impressed with your best work. Oh, but pastor, he's keeping a record of our works. Yeah, he's keeping a record of our works. There's going to be rewards someday. But that's not going to make you any more saved. What saves you is the fact that you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus covers you and the Father doesn't approve you. He approves the blood of Jesus that covers you. So you can't do anything to make yourself bloodier. You covered or you're not. Mm. Be alert so you don't end up in sin again But don't worry about trying to impress God. I live every day of my life hoping that I please him. Because I know that my life is a living sacrifice. So I I want to please the Lord. It's just just something I want to do. But at the end of every day, I have fallen far, far short of impressing him. He still looks at me like a father would look at his own children and say, I love them. They're not perfect. I know they're not perfect, but I still love them anyway. But your children are trying to constantly, trying to impress you and do better and earn your respect and all these kinds of things. They have it just because they're your children. You didn't earn this salvation. You just accepted it. So don't allow anyone to start tacking on rituals or observances to burden you down. You got enough things going on without having to be loaded down with a bunch of mess that somebody came up thinks going to make you more impressive to God. Can I give you a word of advice? Just walk with Jesus every day. Get up every day and say, Jesus, I'm yours. What you want to do? What do you want me to do today? I promise you that if you follow the Lord and stay close enough to hear his voice, you don't have to worry about trying to do special things. All you got to worry about is walking close enough to Jesus that you hear his voice and you obey when he says to do something. You do it and that's it. That's it. It's so simple like that. It makes your walk with Christ so less cumbersome. Than for someone to say, this week, do this, 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 this. And I understand the good intentions of a lot of, a lot of pastors. And I, I agree that, that, that doing certain things habitually are, are good because we won't forget. But I'll tell you, I struggle with anybody that says, you better pray 45 minutes a day. What if I want to pray an hour and a half? What if I only pray 15, but it was really powerful? What if, what if I didn't even get down on my knees that day and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I carried out something he wanted me to do instead of praying? Oh, that sounds blasphemous, Pastor. You must read five chapters of the Bible every day. And some, some people got into that kind of habit. And at night, I mean, they're trying to read five chapters. They don't remember one word of it. They're just scanning through it because they don't want to go to hell tonight. Let me tell you something. If, you have, if you're struggling with reading the word, get on Bible Gateway and look at the verse of the day. 
slow down long enough to read one verse and understand what it said and apply it to your life, you'll be better than if you read five chapters and don't remember a minute of it. I would encourage you to get the place in your life of whether you're spending quality, carved out time, because if you don't, you won't. But I'm telling you, I do it because I want to. I don't do it because habit, and I don't do it because of ritual, and I don't do it because of manipulation. I spend time with the Lord. I try to every day. I read and I pray, but I do it because I love Jesus and I like hanging around with him. Some of the best advice I ever got, you've heard it before, but I got it from a professor, Leroy Bartell in Bible College. He said he was talking to the Lord one day about how he should spend his time with the Lord. And he said, God, sometimes I feel convicted because I just don't feel like I spend enough time with you. And God said, Leroy, what do you like to do? And he said, well, I like to drink coffee. And God said, then drink coffee with me every day. He said, I could do that. What can you do? How can you carve out that place? I would advise that that you spend some time with the Lord, but don't let anybody come along handing you lists and books and burdening you down with distracting things that actually keep you from doing the good work of the Father. People spend their lives trying to do things and God is saying, I wish you'd put the things down and hang around with me. Then I would tell you what to do. And that's all you need. Never let anyone burden you down with another load. Just walk with the Holy Spirit. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated or controlled. The scripture says that you are accepted, period. When you give your heart to Christ, you are accepted. Now just walk with the Lord every day and you'll be fine. Thirdly, freedom in Christ makes us responsible. Galatians 5.13 You were indeed called to be free, brothers and sisters. Don't turn this freedom into an excuse for your corrupt nature to express itself. Rather, serve each other through love. All of Moses' teachings are summarized in a single statement. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. 16, let me explain further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. And then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. Isn't that good? So it says I'm free, but I'm not free to do whatever I please. I'm free, I'm saved, I'm in the family. But I want you to hear the statement. The moment I became free, I died. The moment I became free, I died. Because I was never free until I belonged to Christ. But the minute I gave my heart to Jesus, I gave my heart to Jesus. I gave my all to him and it's not mine anymore. These are his hands, his feet, his mouth, his heart. Whatever this shell is, it is committed to the, the purpose of Christ. Not my own. It's a, it's a strange and ironic thing. That only dying to yourself. Can create freedom in Christ. But it's true. God. 
God's will for my life is that I pursue his plan. So freedom means this. Freedom means I am free to serve him however he requests. And that's a, you need to see that picture with me for a minute now. Because freedom doesn't mean you're free to do what you want. Freedom means, listen, freedom means you are free from any hindrances, distractions, or weights that would keep you from being totally free to serve Christ. It didn't say you were free to do whatever you wanted. It said you're free of anything that would keep you from serving Christ. That's freedom. That's a quiet message, isn't it? We're thinking. Free means I am free to serve him however he requests. That means his plan of salvation for all of mankind has now become my responsibility to share. That's why. Because I'm not mine anymore. I'm his. And what does he want done? He wants all people to be saved. So that means I am employed in that responsibility. Let me tell you a story and I'll wrap this up. Story was told by a fellow named Bernard Brown. And he said he was working in a hospital where a patient knocked over a cup of water from the tray onto the floor. And needed to get up and go to the restroom but was afraid to because uh, was in a weakened state. And so he rang the the bell or the buzzer for the nurse to come and it was a nurse's aide and she came and asked what did he need and he said well I've knocked this cup of water over and I've spilled it and I'm afraid to get up but I need to get up and I'm afraid to go until it's cleaned up and she said well hang on a minute so so she called housekeeping and he didn't realize that there was a battle about to ensue because they had a they had a deal going there where that if it was a small puddle the nurse's aide cleaned it up but if it's a big puddle then housekeeping cleans it up so housekeeping came in and took a look and they began to look at the puddle and they began to argue. And the one said, well, the puddle's too small for me. The other one said, well, the puddle's too big for me. And so they stood there arguing about whose responsibility it was to clean up this puddle until finally he was so exasperated he took the pitcher of water and dumped it on the floor and said, now whose is it? At which point the argument was over because now it was without a doubt a large puddle. Can you see believers arguing with the Father about their responsibility? Christ, you made me free. I get to do what I want. No, 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 no. I made you free so you could do what I want. I made you free of everything else. I made you free of death. I made you free of sin. I made you free of hell. I made you free of fear. I made you free of the enemy's tactics. I made you free of everything that would hinder you so that you could serve me 100%. Mm. So let's wrap this up. Freedom in Christ has made me family. It makes me acceptable. It makes me responsible. So from that, I learned I I need to act like a family member. I I need to refuse to get burdened down with unnecessary load. And I need to take on the responsibility that comes from caring about my father's business. Yet somehow I am truly free. I am free from anything that would hinder me from being able to do the things listed above. And since I am free, 
I have the Holy Spirit working in me to help me accomplish my job. So he says, I am called, I'm equipped, I'm empowered, I'm fulfilled, I'm rewarded being free like this. And when I look at that, I say to myself, I don't mind the trade-off at all. I have to die to me for that. And I have to work for Christ until I go to heaven. That's okay. Look what I get. My lands. He supplies all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to worry about my own money anymore. Brian talked about it a little while ago. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. So if I live or die, if I live, I I live as under Christ. If I die, it's gain. Because if I die, I get to go to heaven. If I live, I'll work for him until I die. I mean, what's the argument here? This is the most awesome deal that's been ever offered to anyone. This glorious message, this good news of hope. I don't have to be a slave to me. I get to die to me. Wake up to live in Christ. And then walk through every day with joy and peace in spite of hardship and the same trials that everybody else goes through. The difference is when I go through all those hard times, I will still have joy and peace. And then someday I'll close my eyes and wake up in heaven. Are you kidding me? Sign me up. I'm in. I'll die to me for that. I'll make that trade off. I get to be on the winning team, huh? I want to say something to you as a believer. You have a role in the most important mission of this or any other universe. Pastor, I'm not important. I don't even know why I'm on this planet. Oh, I'll tell you why you're on this planet. You'll be on this planet until he's done with you. And then it'd just be better. But as long as you're here, I want you to understand. You are free to do whatever he tells you to do. And the enemy can't stop you. So if God tells you, I want you to start a business. All right. I want you to feed your neighbor. Cool. I could do that. I, you know, I want you to give your car away. I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm, some people do. I want you to give your car away. Okay. I want you to teach. I want you to invest in, 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 in little children at risk. I, I can do that. I can do whatever I need to do. Because the word says that I can do all things through this Christ Jesus who strengthens me not mine I'm his so I can do or be whatever he says until he's done with me at which point he bring me home and say good job well done now good and faithful servant come on in it's awesome here I'm in I'm thankful for freedom freedom that made me family Made me accepted. Made me responsible. It makes me truly, truly free. Freedom in Christ is awesome. So I'm thankful for salvation. We talked about it last week. I'm thankful for freedom. Next week we're going to hit another one. But before we get to next week, let's take a minute and think about this week. And let's pray. Here's what I would ask you to 
intentionally consider this morning before you leave this room. First of all, am I free? Ask yourself that question. Am I free? Because if I'm free, then these things are true. If I'm not free, these things aren't true. Because if I'm not, if I'm not free, I'm still battling by hanging on to me. As long as I'm hanging on to me, I'm not truly free. So, have I become part of the family? Am I in the family? And if I'm in the family, am I acting like I'm in the family? So before we go any further, somebody might need to pray that prayer. Lord, I'm either not in it and want to be praying that prayer of salvation. Or I'm in the family, but I don't think I act like I'm in the family sometimes. Well then, here's where you need to bog down for a minute. And let the Holy Spirit convict you and say, yes, I, I, I do want you to exhibit fruit of the Spirit instead of fruit of the flesh. I do want you to be kind and loving and considerate and honest and just. Yes, I do want you to do that. So that's number one. I want to spend some time making sure that I'm acting like I'm part of the family. For the second group of you that are going to pray, it would be for those of you that have lived your life under the bondage of someone else's religion. Someone has just kept beating you. Some, some of y'all were afraid to ever go back to church because you grew up in such bondage. Church was never about freedom in Christ. It was always about you got to do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you do this, you do this, you do this. And if you don't, you're going to hell. Remember that message? Everybody was going to hell. Every week, everybody was going to hell. There was nobody going to heaven. Believers that had been serving Christ for 50 years was streaking down to the altar like their hair was on fire, screaming, Oh God, forgive me. This week, this week, I came this close to saying a bad word. Oh God, don't let me go to hell. Now, I'll tell you, an ounce of precaution is better than a pound of cure. Whatever it takes you to get to heaven, you can just go right ahead and do. But I'm telling you, I'm so thankful I have found a place in Christ that is free. And I refuse, I just refuse to let anybody put anything on me that God isn't putting on me. If I'm going to get, if I'm going to take on a load, it's going to be because God asked me to do it. Not because any man did. I just refuse to take on the loads that men decide to try to put on me. So some of you today need to come to an altar and get free. You need to come down and unload all that. Unload all that and just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you that I'm going to walk close. I'm going to, I'm going to walk closely enough to you to hear your voice. So I don't have to get entangled with this mess anymore. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love, I'm going to love you and serve you and hear you. And, I, and I'm going to trust that it's freeing. That's number two, number three. Those of you that have said, well, I'm saved. I'll do whatever I want. I do what I want to do. I don't have to serve. I don't have to help. I don't have to give. Then you need to repent because you haven't died. Therefore, you aren't free. And so today you have to accept your responsibility of being in the family. Responsibility is whatever Jesus asked you to do. Not what I ask you to do, whatever Jesus asks you to do. 
He may use me to ask it. But then it would be up to you to make sure that it was him that asked and not me. Does that make sense? So for those three reasons, Neil's going to lead us. We're going to turn this into a place of prayer like we do every week. For one or any or all of those reasons, whatever has spoken and quickened your spirit this morning, I want you to find yourself a place somewhere around this building. And I want you to pray those prayers. Whichever one or however many of that you need to pray. But don't leave here today without being free. And I'm going to ask our prayer team members if they would to just scatter out around. And if some of you would like to go to them. Maybe you want to give your heart to Christ today, but you're not sure how to do it. You just go to one of them and they'll lead you. They'll show you. It's very simple, but they'll lead you to Christ. If you want them to pray with you, they'll pray with you. But all around this room now during this season of prayer, either where you're sitting or you can stand or you can come and kneel, walk, whatever you need to do. But don't leave here in bondage. Leave here free. Leave here free today. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray.